This podcast was created on Messy. Create your own show today at Messy.fm. It's Rugby Rantabanta, episode 152. Hi, Sheddies. It's me, Eddie Stevens. Uh, the time is 1.48 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon. A little bit better than last week, isn't it? Not too bad, yet not too good, neither. I could, I, I really should be doing a bit better, but enough about that. Um, how are you? You okay? That's good. I'm, uh, I'm fine. It's October, and there's a very clear change to the season in uh, New Mexico right now. All of a sudden... The air has a crispness and it's cold and I get a little bit nervous. I got this. I don't know. This is not a joke. Every year around in sort of mid-October, I get this strange, nervous, anxious feeling. And I know some people get seasonal depression. They'll talk about um, as the weather gets colder and it, and it gets darker, they get like depressed. I don't really get depressed. It's not depression. It's like a strange, anxious um, nervousness. and. I have two theories on why this is the case. One is that the rugby season in New Mexico, uh, I suppose probably in all of the US, uh, there's two seasons and one of them starts mid-October. So I'm thinking it could be that I'm conditioned from years of playing rugby to thinking, oh shit, it's time, time to play rugby. Or, and this is the explanation that I think makes the most sense, um, it's, an, it's, an, it's a natural, primal um nervous energy that comes from uh my body knowing that winter is winter is coming and um it's time to stockpile goods it's time to get ready for the cold months and um so there's this primal part of my brain that is freaking out going what is the matter with you why aren't you collecting firewood why are you not gathering uh whatever the fuck you would gather fruits and vegetables pumpkins <laughs> i suppose um Anyway, it's, it's driving me crazy. I'm a little bit anxious right now. Um, but I do like this time of year. It's like a nice feeling too. Um, I like Halloween. Halloween's coming up, isn't it? I love Halloween because, uh, I have children. And now that's not as nice of a comment as it sounded like. It's not that, oh, the kids love Halloween. And remember, I live in the US. So if you're listening in England, unless things have changed radically, you don't do Halloween the right way in the UK. It's not a big deal. Whereas in the US, it's fucking huge. And um, so all the kids go trick-or-treating and they get tons of candy, candy um, or sweets, if you prefer. And uh, they love it. And there's cool parties. There's usually a really awesome Halloween party I'll go to. But I say that I uh, I love Halloween because I have children, not because my kids get to have fun and they enjoy it. I don't care about that. For me, it's payback, okay, because I have three children, um, and uh, I feel I'm constantly working my ass off for money that they take from me. I go, I go to work every day, I work really hard, I come back, and then they need my money, and it's like that all year long. And Halloween is the one time of the year where the roles get reversed. They go out, they go and work, they go door to door begging for sweets, and they come back with a big bag of sweets and they're all happy about it and then later that night they go to bed and i get high as fuck and i eat all of their candy not all of it that's not true that would be horrendous but i eat a lot of it and i do it 
just every night pretty much until it's all gone. And it's, like I said, it's good. It's like, now I get something back from them. They're the ones working for me. And, um, I can do it with a, with a guilt-free conscience because it's not good for them. I don't want them eating all that sugar. I'm being selfless. I'm, I'm damaging my own body for their own, for their good. But I do have to be very, very careful because last, in fact, I don't even know if I'm going to get away with it this year, if I'm honest with you. Last year, uh, I got caught eating their candy. All three of my kids, or three, my two younger kids, my, my eldest son doesn't give a shit, but my, my two younger kids came into the living room and they caught me eating their sweets. I was high as fuck. And honestly, I think it was a huge overreaction still. Um, but I wish you, uh, you should have, it was such a fucked up scene. Just screaming and crying, get away from that candy. That's not yours. That's not yours. Um, and I only said that to them because I was so high. If I wasn't so high, I would not have, I certainly wouldn't have cried about it. I feel like I traumatized them, but just, you know, stay cool. If I'm high, they know, they knew I was high. And when I get the munchies, I'm a fucking maniac. Um, let's go. It's Rugby Ranta Banter, episode 152. Let's go. I said it twice. Good. Okay, so obviously I'm very well aware of the whole Wasps fiasco, um, and uh, I'm upset about it, and I'd love to talk about it, but I'm going to hold off on that. I'm not going to go on and on about how my Shider's touch has completely destroyed an entire rugby team, because it hasn't happened yet. I'm going to wait until the, the, the final nail is in the coffin. And when that happens, I will talk about it incessantly and in a very selfish way i will make it all about me um because i'll tell you what i'll tweet this later i'm going to share it again my um my uh, fantasy rugby squad which got me fucking what 150 something points i don't know the highest points in my whole league last week um in, in cruelly against somebody who had the lowest points in the whole league it was a devastating uh ass kicking um but by the way i don't get excited about that because there's a lot of luck involved in fantasy rugby, isn't there? And a lot of bad luck. And that's what's happened to me. Hang on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a sip of coffee. Oh, delicious. Um, I was getting sidetracked. It doesn't matter. The point is, yeah, if I'm going to share my, um, my, my fantasy rugby squad and people are going to feel so sorry for me. It's almost entire. All my best players are Wasps players. I've got... Charles Piatel. Um, I got Charlie Atkinson, but he's, I'm not really starting him. I've been starting Dan Bigger because Atkinson, uh, hasn't been kicking points. It's been, uh, Jacob Umanga has been kicking really well. So I'm gonna have to come up with a, and in fact, fucking hell, I just remembered. And I, and as I'm saying this, I'm realizing that you probably don't want to hear about my fantasy rugby problems, but I was actually going to offer, I think it's Russ Milsom of Mall Over Rugby Podcast has Jacob Umanga, and I was going to offer a nice little trade for him. I was even going to offer him Dan Bigger because I'd rather have the two Wasps fly halves sort of handcuffing them, you know? 
Um, but now I can't do that. And I don't know what's going to happen. I said, I wasn't going to talk about it, but what is going to happen? Because when Wusper went, Wusper, when Worcester went under, Ollie Lawrence immediately went to Bath and I'll talk about that later, but I think he's the only one that got picked up immediately. Um, there may be some other players that have signed with other teams, but they haven't played yet. So it's like, there's so much talent in that Wasp squad. You would think they have to be given a shot with someone. And even if they can figure out a deal where they're paying them next to nothing, it's going to be, I, I'm sure those players would rather be playing for, for a fraction of what they're worth than just basically having to take a hiatus for the entire season, especially players with uh, England prospects like Jack Willis. Well, he'll definitely get picked up, won't he? You've got to think Jack Willis, um, Charles P- Charles Piatow, he plays for Bristol. I just realized I said, did you catch that earlier when I said Charles Piatow? I was living in the past because, of course, he's a former Wasps player. Um, Bristol will probably be next, though, won't they? Um, I've said too much about this. I'll talk about, I'll do a whole Wasps um, edition once they get uh, relegated or whatever happens. Um, and you know what's interesting? Just very quickly, now that I said I wouldn't talk about it, I will say this. I don't have any, I'm furious with the gods, the rugby gods, for granting me this power, this shyest touch where I can destroy rugby players' careers. Um, but I'm not angry with the team themselves and the uh, the governing body at Wasps. Even with Worcester, I know the owners are apparently pieces of shit, and I didn't like the uh, the um, the thing they shared where they basically said that it was the fault of the uh, the fans for not showing up and paying for tickets. Um, but even so, I just don't have a lot of anger towards the teams themselves and the people in charge. I just think it's, you know, I, I just think the entire premiership is a fucking joke. Uh, you've got all this money being thrown around and then you look at the matches and there's no one showing up for the games. It's incredibly unpopular. Anyway, like I said, I'm going to do a bit more research once the, um, final, um, once we get to the the, the conclusion of what's going to happen with wasps, because it's not over yet, is it? And I hear people saying, "Oh, it's done," but you never know. Well, you don't know till you know, and even then, you don't know if you're me. I don't know. I never know anything. Um, but listen, this is what I'm going to do for this podcast. It's going to be a quick one because I only have about 20 minutes before I have to get to work. So, um, what I'm going to do is go over the matches from last weekend, and we're not even going to talk about what's going on with wasps. Okay. Um, so I'm going to start with the Bristol versus Exeter match, which was mind blowing to me. I did not see, I did not see a spanking of this magnitude happening to Bristol. I still think, well, Bristol, what a what a conundrum. You look at the players they have; it's undeniable. They have undeniable talent, but there's a problem, and we'll get into it. But I'm just going through my notes, so um. Yeah, started good for Bristol, didn't it? With an amazing crossfield kick by Callum Sheedy uh, for Fricker to score a try. He had a split second to execute it, and it was absolutely pinpoint perfect. And it looks like Callum Sheedy is doing a pretty good job of securing the 10 shirt ahead of AJ McGinty. Now, you may dis- disagree, but I did not see that happening at the start of the season. But it looks like they're favoring McG- um, uh, Sheedy. For now, and it makes sense. He's playing really well, quite physical too. Like I've always thought of of Sheedy as a very weak defender, but he did some good stuff in this match. Um, 
And just to be clear, there aren't many fly halves in the entire premiership that I'd put ahead of AJ McGinty. But for, with Bristol, Callum Sheedy seems to know how to pull the strings. And on form, he deserves to be starting. But you know what? It's still early days. So who knows how things will look towards the end of the, end of the season. In fact, I would bet money that AJ McGinty will end up their first choice fly half. But we'll see. Um, God, I was just thinking with them, um, it's Christ, Christ, I think they're pronouncing it, Chinza, spelled Christ. I was just thinking like, and I may have talked about this before, actually, and I'm sure you've heard people say things like this, but it is weird when it's so easy to be blasphemous if you're a religious person. I find it difficult to understand how somebody could name their child Christ. Also, like parents that think their kids are like really special. I mean, we all think our kids are special, sometimes not in a good way, though. But the ones that really think their kids are better than everyone else's are obnoxious. Imagine naming your child Christ. You know what? It's probably no wonder he's so successful as a rugby player. And just he's probably a very confident person. Can you imagine having that kind of support from your parents? Parents, they think you're the son of God. Um, Or would it be a huge uh, burden and actually make you unhappy? I don't know. Um, Little Harry Randall's out for the for a decent chunk of time, which really upsets me. He's only a little boy. He shouldn't even really be playing. But he put in a brilliant tackle on um, the giant Vermeulen on the wing as he as uh, Vermeulen tried Vermeulen tried to steamroll him. Fucking that piece of shit, AJ McGinty tried. Uh, AJ McGinty, AJ McGinty, that piece of shit keeps calling me. I meant AJ Martin- Martinez. Um. Yeah, it was an amazing, uh, perfect technique tackle where he just shot in on his ankles and fells him like a, he was like a tiny lumberjack felling an oak tree. And then later he put on another great tackle on Jesus Christ Chunza. Uh, and then that's where he took a knee to the face. And I don't know what his injury is, but I know he's out for a while. I don't know if that was the tackle that did it. I can't remember. Um, I'll tell you who was the most impressive player for me in this whole game though was, uh, Ollie Woodburn. Ollie Woodburn, I know that he was sort of in the conversation with England a couple of years ago, and I think I was bigging him up a lot. I wanted him in the England squad. Um, I don't know why he's not this season, because I think he is probably the most complete uh, winger in the Premiership right now. Um, but, you know, he is 30, which I think means more... Age doesn't mean anything to me. I always say if you're if you're good enough, you're young enough. But... If you're a winger, age starts counting against you pretty early on, more so than in other positions, because all-out pace can deteriorate pretty at a pretty young age. And I think if you're a winger and you haven't been capped by 30, it probably ain't going to happen. And I don't think he's got any caps. But I would have him in the England squad right now on form. I would. Um, I think. I wrote down my England squad, uh, and uh, I'm going to read that to you later. Um Oh, yeah, I just saw a note where little Harry Randall dropping the fucking candle right over the try-line. Tri- but, so little Harry Randall was going to score, drop the ball, but the defense by by Chiefs was fucking phenomenal all game. Um, 
as was little Hey Randall's. I say again, he's defensively brilliant. How he throws that tiny body around and brings players down so effectively is a mystery to me. He's in, you could argue that he's the best defender in the Premiership because he's the small. He's got to be the, the smallest player in the Premiership, and he doesn't miss many tackles. Um, but back to Bristol as a as a team and their. You know what? I just want to say really quickly though. Yes, this was a spanking, and it does make you think Bristol is shit. Um, but. Uh, I don't have the table in front of me, but I think they're still well up there in the top half of the of the league. I think they're still they're doing. I think they have as many wins as Harlequins, um, and they're doing better than other teams that we're not shitting on. So I think it's a little too soon to start saying Bristol are crap, uh, but they were they have a problem, and I think they're mentally weak because as soon as Exeter started to build a lead, Bristol seemed to capitulate. And I feel like the best teams don't do that. You know, you get the sense that with uh, Saracens, Harlequins, and, you know, even Exeter, um, the game is never over until it's over. I mean, look at last week, Exeter against Quinns, where it was never over. Even when Exeter was spanking Quinns, Quinns came back, and then it looked like the game was over, but Chiefs didn't give up, and then they scored in the dying seconds. So, um, but with Bristol... They'll, they spank the weaker teams, but when the going gets tough, they, they get spanked, don't they? I've been spanking too much or saying spanking too much. I'm going to let it go. Um, I wonder what's going to, even though I don't think it's, um, the end of the world for Bristol yet, uh, I do worry for Pat Lamb that his reputation has declined quite a bit since he took over at Bristol. Um, he's just not getting the results that he should. Mind you, didn't they get to the the semifinals last year? And uh, yeah, there's something about Bristol that we all, that a lot of the fans like to uh, to really shit on them when they're not doing well. I think it's because there's obviously a lot of superstars and a lot of money being thrown around there. And um, Pat Lamb is a bit of a prick, although I do like him. I'm going to drink some more coffee. Chill for a second. Okay, moving on. Leicester versus Sale. Rob Dupria has gone from being a bit of a joke to to being one of the best tens in the Premiership. Um, Sale's attacking shape looks really good. Um, although uh, Roebuck's try in, like, I think it was in the, the first ten minutes, like at the end, after about ten minutes, he scored a try, and there was some very weak defence by Leicester. Very weak. Um, but Roebuck, I'm surprised Roebuck hasn't been in Eddie Jones's mind. I mean, maybe he has. I don't. I can't actually get into Eddie Jones's mind. I don't want to get into his fucking mind. Um, but I, I'm surprised he hasn't been brought into any of the squads already because he's exactly the kind of winger that Eddie Jones likes. He's big, strong, and defensively and tactically solid. He's a very balanced winger. Uh, he, rem- do you know, who he reminds me of is uh, Tommy Freeman at Saints. Um, and while we're on the subject of wingers, actually, it's insane to me that Harry Potter hasn't been involved with England because he's good at everything. He's even more balanced than um, than Roebuck. But as I think I said last week, there's just so many options on the wing for England. There's so much talent in the Premiership. Um, I was happy with Sam James in this game. I I remember I used to love Sam James. 
about three years ago, three or four years ago, I think I was like really, I thought he was the answer for England at 12. Um, but he has not played well in a while. Um, but in this game, he had some beautiful touches. Uh, he looked great. He, you know what? He looked more enthusiastic. That's what it is. I think he's one of those players who, I don't want to call him a genius, but sometimes Sam James reminds me of a gifted child who, because he's so advanced, he finds the whole thing boring and he doesn't even try. Like sometimes when I'm watching him, he looks like he's just sort of like, eh, whatever. But in this game, he looked a bit more fired up. And he looked like a better player. Um, speaking of better players, great to see Rafi Quirk back and setting up a, immediately setting up a try for Tom Curry and then scoring one of his own shortly after. Um, and then he put in a try-saving tackle later. He's fucking amazing. Uh, Rafi Quirk should be fast-tracked back into the England team, some, you know, at least onto the bench. Um, looking at Leicester, though, do you know what? I can't even remember who won this game. It must have been Sale, right? Um, I think they got a problem in the midfield. I've always been a fan of Jimmy Gopeth. Um, and over the years, as he's gotten older, he's impressed me with how he's been able to defy, just defy the aging process and put in great performances week after week after week. But now he really does seem to play his age. I, I said this last week, I think. He basically makes his tackles, passes, kicks, and that's about it. He doesn't offer anything really to Leicester that's really positive and but they but they start him every week so I don't know if they're just desperate or not moving on because I don't have a lot of time Bath versus Gloucester Bath looking much better team a much better team this match definitely um I was concerned when I saw Ollie Lawrence straight into the team ahead of Jonathan Joseph after a week of training with Bath that's weird Jonathan Joseph Here's my prediction. Jonathan Joseph will be in France next season and will be blowing minds. He's going to be playing really well in France. Um, I thought it was a mistake, though, for them to put Ollie Lawrence into this into the team. But he actually had a really good game. Um, mind you, for all the hype around Lawrence, everyone's talking about him. I actually think Mark Atkinson quietly uh, had a better game for the opposition. Um, another player who played well... It was a fucking a singer. I think I may have been too harsh on him. He looked big, strong, formidable, exactly what you would want to see from a, a player with his attributes. Um, maybe lacking a bit of confidence, which can happen when you play for a really shit team. So I can underst understand that. But most importantly, I can totally see why an international coach would want to squeeze him into their squad every chance they get in a similar way to Manu, right? Um, although Manu is so injury prone, it doesn't make sense to keep persevering with him. I'm not going to talk about that again. Um, oh, by the way, this happened this match, and I just want to mention it. One of my pet peeves is when the referee blows the whistle. So the defenders all ease off, but then whoever has the ball runs through and then acts like, oh man, look, I would have scored. I see it all the time. Someone's running. There's no advantage. The ref blows the whistle. The defenders ease off. And that player will just like step through a tackle that was never going to be a tackle because the whistle went and runs to the try line and put then puts the ball down like, oh shit, I would have scored if it weren't for that. No, you wouldn't have. Um, oh my God, Jamal Ford Robinson. 
conti- continuing to defend with what looked like a dislocated fucking shoulder. It could have been anything, but he could not use his arm, and he was still standing in the line trying to put in hits. That was incredible and probably stupid. Uh, moving on, Newcastle versus Saracens. I had a bit of a scare because I woke up ready to watch it, went on my Peacock app where they show the games, and um, it showed Newcastle versus Saracens event concluded but i was so out of it that i read it as event cancelled and i was really angry until um brother matthew from the rugby brethren pointed out to me that it had not been cancelled so i checked again and i went oh thank god um this was an absolute fucking humping um the scoreline gave it a little bit of fluff you know, from the couple of tries Newcastle, Newcastle scored at the end when Saris's, Saris were down to 14. But the match was never anything other than a drubbing. That was bad. I think maybe Newcastle was still a bit hungover from the, the victory they had last week against Bristol. Um, Elliot Daly playing really well so far this season. Form isn't absolutely everything. But if you'd never seen any of these players before and you didn't know their reputations and track record, records, you'd probably say Daly is the best fullback in the premiership on form, even better than Stewart. Um, Mind you, yes, that is, you know, that's playing for a team that looks pretty dominant. So you've got to take that into account. Um, I'm sure if Freddie Stewart was playing in that Saracens team, he'd have looked fucking incredible. You know, who's who also looks incredible in the, probably the worst team in the premiership is that guy. I don't even know his first name, but Gallagher at Bath, who I think did play for Saracens before. But he's looked really good. Um, I wish, I really wish the commentators wouldn't constantly suck Theo McFarlane's cock, metaphorically. Yes, he's good. But um, they go on about him like he's fucking Christ Chunza. (laughs) He's very good. We get it. But you don't have to just constantly. He's not that He's really good. He's not mind-blowingly good. You can chill out. Um, but what does this say about Bristol? Because Bristol got spanked by Newcastle last week. And then Newcastle got spanked by Saracens. Maybe Newcastle, like I said, was so excited about their win against Bristol that they, that they weren't able to get up enough for this match. Um, maybe Saracens are just fucking amazing. It's probably um, both of those things. Uh, Saris are great. Newcastle played their final last week. And Bristol probably aren't very good. Um, I still think that Bristol will come back and put in some good performances, but they're clearly mentally weak. They have a problem. They, whatever. Moving on, Wasps, who are fucking, god damn it, games cancelled. I hate cancelled games. Wasps versus Northampton, the best game of the fucking week, possibly of the whole season. It's fucking incredible. First thing I was looking at was Jack Willis versus Lewis Ludlam, because I've been torn between the two of them for England, but I'd say Jack Willis won this encounter, if you want to look at it as an encounter between the two of them. He smashed Lewis Ludlam himself, driving him back early on in the game. Um, then he scored a try later. Then he got a beautiful steal, as per, from a ruck. Um, he's such an, Jack Willis is such an amazing talent with such a, he's such an amazing, he's got such a unique talent. No, I've never seen anyone able to jackal the way he does. Um, and for all these reasons, I'd find a way to get him in my England team every day. 
And I think he put in a, yeah, he put in another really big hit on Ludlam later in the match. Ludlam wasn't having a great game for a lot of it. He missed an easy tackle on Nizam Carr. Um, Nizam Carr, who's in my fantasy team for what it's worth, gave me a bunch of points. Um, Ogre put in some huge tackles in that match and at least one breakdown steal. I saw it probably man of the match for me, actually. Um, and Ogre, you know what? It's made me rethink my whole England selection where I'm like, I was saying last week and the week before that McGuigan would be my choice with Jamie George out. But McGuigan is, is, is really good. But when you've got a player, um, with Ogre's talents, which by the way, are very Luke Cowan Dickey esque, you know, he's more mobile. He's better at the breakdown. He's a very aggressive ball carrier, super athletic. I, I'm starting to think that's the kind of hooker I want in the England team rather than just a big lump who can do the basics really well. Um, more on that later, I suppose. Dan Bigger had one of his very petulant matches where he was kind of f- fucking annoying. I really like Dan Bigger, but he needs to be careful. Um, of course, it was classic. Um, it went from classic pissy Dan Bigger to classic uh, injured Bigger with a <laughs> one second he's down rolling on the, around on the floor with his back fucked up. And then seconds later, he puts in a miraculous chip and chase and offloads beautifully for a try. And it was to Coles. And this time, Coles didn't throw the ball into his own face. But Dan Bigger played really well. He was just a bit petulant for a while. Um, Saints, I cannot believe they <clears throat> they managed to come back in this match. I think they need... They definitely need something. I think they need a couple of like really good quality props. And they look a lot better when Courtney Laws is in the team. Um... I also like the ref in this match, by the way, Adam Leal. I talked about him before. I don't think he gets uh, enough uh, opportunities. Um, I like him for a few reasons. One, he's a good referee. Two, his Twitter handle is the Adam Leal, which I love because I love people who act like fucking rock stars, regardless of status. You know, whoever you are, whatever you are, you should know you're the shit. And he cl- clearly does. Um, uh, third reason I like him is he has a douchey oriental tattoo on his forearm, which reinforces the whole superstar in his own mind identity. Uh, love that. Um, I'd like to see him refereeing more matches. Speaking of referees needing more matches, whatever, what happened to, I can't even remember her name. Was it Sarah Cox? The, the female ref? I feel like she refed one match, did really well, and I never saw her again, except running touch. Like, w- so was it just a fucking publicity stunt? to further sort of reinforce Premiership Rugby's whole reputation as a woke entity. If so, it's bullshit. If she hadn't been really good, don't get me wrong, if she hadn't been really good, the worst thing would have been been for them to promote her, you know, regardless of better options, just because she's a woman. Like, that would drive me insane. But as I said, she was excellent, especially when you consider that it was her first, and as far as I can, I'm aware, only match in charge. I'll tell you what, she was way better than Maxwell Keys was in his first, um, well, actually, she was way better than Maxwell Keys in his last game or any of his games for that matter. But look, I'm just a feminist. Okay. Where is Sarah Cox? Maybe she got pregnant or she's having lady problems. I don't know. More sexy female refs, I say. Anyway. Um, hey, I want to tell you something else. I fucking told you 
Charlie Atkinson was amazing. That try he scored has got to be up there as try of the season so far. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. I'm just telling you, I told you so. And he will be in the England squad eventually. Um, and I'm using magic to uh, counteract my shyness touch. So he'll be back and he won't be injured. Um, how was that not a red card for Jacob Umanga? People always seem to disagree with, with me on these things. Uh, no, it was a red card. Sorry. I, I made a note complaining that it wasn't a red card because something happened in that match where they, I think the referee said it was going to be a yellow, but then it ended up being a red. And I don't remember if maybe he had a yellow earlier. So it combined for a red or if he changed his mind, but it was a definite red card. Really stupid by Umanga. Um, but what a finish by Saints. My God, poor wasps. I was so gutted for them. Um, all those great players, where they're going to go. Speaking of players moving from uh, dead teams, Finn Smith to Saints. What do you think about that? I don't see the point um, because I really like James Grayson, and I don't. I don't. Whatever it is that so many of you see in Finn Smith, I haven't seen it. He's looked all right, and that's it. Um, I don't know why they're bringing him in though. He doesn't look any better than James Grayson, and they don't have it with, with Dan Bigger leaving. Maybe they see Finn Smith as their main man now. Maybe they want to bring him in as their first choice 10. I don't know. I don't quite get it, but I've got to wrap this up. Now, I want to talk about my England squad, which I'm doing every week. I'm doing a form England squad as per my opinions. Um, but I don't like the way I've been doing it. I, I don't like the way I've been picking just from the players Eddie Jones has selected because his selections are shit. So I'm changing my criteria and picking whoever the fuck I want. It'll be a better squad than Eddie Jones has. Also, I realized... Um, that I've been picking players who were unavailable anyway, because I was picking Courtney Laws and Otoji in the second rows, and both of them are not available. So, Jesus, those are some big losses, aren't they? Laws and Otoji, probably the two biggest losses we could have. But very quickly, without talking about it too much, I'm going to just spiel off this whole England squad that I have. Um, this is going to be... Um, what am I going to do? Let's see. Uh, yeah, I've done like an England squad, like a match day squad that I would have right now on form. So the starting 15 would be Ellis Genja, Loosehead, Shock, Luke Cowandicki straight back in at two for reasons I kind of hinted at earlier. Uh, Tighthead, uh, Dan Cole, who's been destroying scrums again. That's a formidable front row. Genj, Cowandicki and Cole. Um, second rows I'm not happy about without, with the options when, with not having the options I would like through injury, but I've got Johnny Hill and Dave Ribbons straight in, uh, back row, Jack Willis, of course, Tom Curry at seven, of course. And at eight, I've moved Ben L straight in. Don't worry. It's a good idea. Scrum half is still Alex Mitchell. Fly half is still Marcus Smith. The wings are. I've got Adam Radwan still there, but I've replaced Tommy Freeman as much as I like him with uh, Ollie Woodburn. I just think he does everything a bit better. Um, in the centers, still Owen Farrell at 12, still Joe Marchant at 13, and at fullback, it's still Freddie Stewart. Now on the bench, I've got Bevan Rod covering Loosehead. Love him. At hooker, really stupid and impulsive. I put Ogre straight in. That's from one game. What an idiot I am. At tight head, Will Stewart. He's had his place taken by Dan Cole because I think Dan Cole is just so solid. 
and you can bring Will Stewart on to add a bit more oomph later. Covering second row, Ollie Chesham. Covering the back row, Lewis Ludlam. Uh, covering scrum half, Rafi Quirk straight in. I don't think I need to explain that. Now, here's the predicament I was in. We've got two fly halves already in Smith and Farrell. We don't need another person covering fly half. So I've put Jack Knoll and Arundel in my last two slots with Jack Knoll able to cover center if needed. Um, I'm really unhappy with my midfield, to be honest, I, I, but I just don't know what to do about it. Um, let's see. Yeah, I think I'm done. Uh, that's it. Good. I'm going to go. I'm going to get this out there. I'm going to go to work. Okay. So thank you for listening. Follow me on Twitter at Eddie Stevens is at Eddie Stevens with a PH and there's two S's and it's confusing. Follow me on Instagram at Eddie Stevens Massive. And uh, I bid you adieu. Or adieu. Adieu.